Hey there, thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Two years, and they're no longer entering the doors of the church. What happened? Why did they get to the point where they said themselves, is this it? Is this all there is? You know, I I remember stories of of people miraculously coming to faith. They've had a a huge transformation that God's done something in their heart. And they're the people who are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I get to be part of this thing. You know, Jesus knows and loves me. Fast forward 10, 15 years and they get into the swing of what the normal church does. And once again, they find themselves getting busy with life. You know, oh, well, I've got to take my kids to sport. we're away this weekend, we're doing this, we're doing that. And then as as the life goes on, I can think of a specific number of people who who are there every Sunday morning early, they left late and now they don't even go to church. What is going on? What is happening in the world of Christianity in the West? Then we had COVID last year. Look around the room. I can guarantee there are people that were here that are no longer here. I'm not having a go at you. I'm just acknowledging or or observing what's happening in the Christian world in the West. Because it's everywhere. In fact, um, in America, they did a survey. They worked out that if churches were about 60% on pre-COVID numbers, they're actually doing well. What is going on with Christianity in the West. Is this it? Is this all there is? You know, I spoke about having my three kids. And uh, and when they were younger, there was a time when when you'd be saying, okay, every night the children would um, be ready to go to bed and and they've all done the right things and they've put their jammies on and they've brushed their teeth and they've brushed their hair and and then they've packed all their boxes, their stuff in the box away and, and, you know, ready to go to bed. That might have been your family, that was not mine. Basically with us, you get to the point, like the stuff is everywhere, right? You know, the explosion of children happens, boom, you know, and, and you've cleaned it and then a second later you turn around and boom, it's out there everywhere. But, at, at, but when friends come around, right, you want to try and present the first scenario. So you say to your kids, kids, quick, friends are coming, get your stuff, put it in the box and then we'll put it away. And if you're good enough, they'll do it quickly or you'll do it for them and their friends come over and it looks like you've got it all together, Right? Trust me, let let me give you the the bit of knowledge. Everyone does the same thing. Okay? And then they get a bit older. And they get more stuff. And and the box isn't big enough anymore, so their bedroom becomes the box that you put stuff in. And 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 it's like, hey, kids, friends are coming over. Quick, pack up. And what do you get? Because they're teenagers, right? Teenagers don't respond in ways that adults do, and they think they're responding, but they don't. So what do you do? You run around after them, you get their stuff, you throw it into their bedroom, you try and close the door as best as you possibly can, and then your friends come over and everything's fine. (laughs) Fast forward a couple years, and you have young adults. 
Now they've got jobs and money. So then they start encroaching on the most important room in the house, the garage. (laughs) Dad, I'm going to take up camping as a hobby because I taught them that. All of a sudden there's swags everywhere and cooking stuff everywhere and it's like, we can only fit one car in our garage. And some of that's my stuff. That's called discipleship. (laughs) But there's something about putting things in a box, right? There's something about a box. They're in part of every part of our life. Why a box is part of every part of our life? Well, they're handy. They keep things safe. They keep things in order and they keep things in their place. They're everywhere, aren't they? If you think about it for a moment, let's just think about boxes. Work with me here. What happens when you move? What do you do? You put things in a a box. Absolutely. What happens when you want to send something to someone and you want to make sure it's taken care of? What do you do? You put it in a... Yeah, when you buy something new, what does it generally come in? If you have to transport animals, smaller ones, (laughs) I'm not talking cows and things like that, what do you put them in? A box, yes. I bought, I bought my mum some chickens a little while ago and, and we bought three chickens and we brought them home because mum likes having chickens, we grew up with that. And I bought these three chickens home in a box and I opened the box and there was three chickens and an egg. <laughs> I thought, this chicken knows what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining the conversation the chickens are having. They're going, hey, okay, so we're getting put in this box. We have no idea where we're going. I've heard of this thing called KFC. I'm going to make sure that I'm seen as valuable. So I'm going to lay an egg on the way home and I'll be safe. Sure enough, those chickens lasted until they died of an old age. But there's something about putting things in a box. And we do it as people too, don't we, in life. We compartmentalise, especially guys, we're really good at it. You know, guys are really good at compartmentalising. It's actually a thing. I'm not just making this up. There's, there's actually studies that show that guys are really good at putting things in a box. You know, we've got our work box, we've got our family box, we've got our home box, we've got our nothing box. It's a thing. Ladies, trust me, the men in your life have a nothing box. When you say, what are you thinking? And they say, nothing. That's literally what they're thinking. They are thinking nothing. That's why you can sit there like this. And that's good. We enjoy that. There's a tip for those playing at home and on live stream. We compartmentalise parts of our life into different boxes because it keeps things safe, secure and in their place. The trouble I think we face with Western Christianity is we do the same with our faith. We have learnt systems and processes and habits where we take our faith and we put it in a box. Or we take our things of faith and put it in a box. And when Sunday morning comes around, we go, oh, take the faith box off the shelf, open it up and do all the things that we're supposed to do. And then when Sunday afternoon happens, or maybe even Monday, because you've had a really impressive Sunday and you're inspired by the speaker and you went home and done something different, but then Monday comes around, we put our stuff back in the box, we close it up and put it back on the shelf. It's a challenge, I believe, we face in the church in the West, the box. It was never meant to be this way. It was never meant to be like that. We have reduced, 
what was supposed to be this cutting edge, countercultural, life giving, ultimately fulfilling, willingness to go to the ends of the earth for the sake of something more important than ourselves. We have broken it all down to this thing that we do occasionally on weekends if we're good, into something mediocre, something safe, something in order, something in its place. We've managed to bring it down to the faith box. No wonder the world sees Christianity as outdated, unnecessary and out of touch. No wonder the church in our country has been on decline for seven decades. In fact, statistics suggest that we've actually hit the bottom of the plateau, which is actually quite exciting because that means there's room for, for the bounce up. There's a season that God is doing something different in the church in Australia and we get to be part of that. But that's the history that we've stepped into. It's no wonder Christians are feeling disengaged and they're finding they're asking themselves the question, is this it? Is this all there is? Jesus made a statement that says this, you'll have life and life in abundance. And I don't think a lot of us as Christians in the West are actually experiencing that. And please hear me, I'm not judging. I'm part of this system. You know, I, I've, um, prior to my current role, I was leading churches for 10, 15 years. I'm part of the system. But there's a season coming and there's an opportunity coming for us to be part of something different, to be able to see the church in the West mirror what's happening in other parts of the world, to see the, the fact that we as Christians can actually be a vital part of what God is choosing to do, what he's allowing us to be part of as he draws humanity back to himself. And not just overseas in other faraway places, but right here in your community, in your workplace, with your friends and your family. We get to be a part of something that God is doing. Isn't that exciting? I think it is. I think it is. What we're experiencing in the Western church over the last seven decades or so is not what the world has ever experienced from Christianity before. If you look right through the history of the church... It's never been like that. If you look right around the world right now where Christianity is doing really well, it's not doing it in the way that we do, that we are doing it necessarily. There's a lot more. It's not about the box. It's about what God is doing. These people are passionate. They're excited about their faith. They are so fulfilled with life and everything they get to do. They, they would look at the church in the West and go, wow, you've got so much. Where's the spirit? Where's the heart? They live their day-to-day -day life willing to die for the gospel, yet they're saying, is this it? You mean there's more than this? God has more for me than this? That's what the first Christians experienced. That's what Christians around the globe right now are experiencing, and that is available for us here today in Australia. In fact, I think God is calling it out of us. I think there's a season coming where he's inviting us into something different to what we may have experienced from the, the past. And please don't hear me say there's anything wrong with the past. I think the world's just shifting. I think our society is shifting. And there's an opportunity for us to respond to that in a way that actually gives us life. And through the life that we're given and through the excitement that we have, others will see us as unique and different and want to be part of something different. Want to be part of something that God's doing. When we do what Jesus asks us to do, we can truly find that fulfilment in life is found in obedience to him. 
Fulfillment is found in obedience. If we look across the Christians that I was referring to before, though, the people who were, were, were Christians who were no longer being part of a church, those that once had vitality in Christ that no longer do, there's a significant acknowledgement that fulfillment in faith is found in obedience to God. If we want to be truly fulfilled in our faith, we need to be obedient to what God is asking us to do. Now, I know there's people that I've had this conversation with in the past, and they're like, all right, I'm going to just pray, and I'm going to fast, I'm going to seek God and ask Him, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And we can do that, but I want to tell you this, you already know. You already know. You already know what the Lord is asking you to do. It's clear in Scripture. You know, if you look at the Old Testament, everything from the Old Testament is pointing toward Jesus. The laws, the prophets, everything that happened, the illustrations, the Psalms is pointing towards Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And Jesus takes that and he points everyone to God and to others. Everything in the Bible is circled around that central point of Jesus, who he is and what he did. So what is it that he's asking us to do? If we're truly believing that fulfillment is found in obedience, obedience to Jesus, what is he asking us to do? Well, it starts with Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 49. Jesus was being challenged. He was being challenged. He was, he was with religious leaders and they were saying, so the law, which, of which there were many, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. There was hundreds of laws that the Jewish people had to fulfill. Okay, Jesus, what is the most important law that you can suggest? And Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law of the prophets hangs on these two commandments. We're called to love God. We're called to love God. To love God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind. Mark and Luke also add strength. With all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. In fact, if you read the complete Jewish Bible... It actually says, with all your resources. To love God with everything that you have and everything that you are and everything that you do. When we are at work, what does it look like for us to be loving God in that, through that? Everything that we have. You know, this season is about reach and send and there's an opportunity for you to, to financially contribute to the mission that this church is connected with. What does it look like to say, all of my resources are God's? How would you like me to invest what is yours? Jesus. I loved hearing that, that there was a faith pledge from last year and you went 113%. What does that say? That says this is a group of people who are saying, God, it's yours. Everything is yours. How would you like me to do that? The first thing we do is, is we're invited to love God and that, the slide should be up on the screen. Love God. The second is this, to love others. If we truly, truly, truly love God, the natural response from that will be to love others because he loves others. He loves those who know him. He loves those who don't know him. 
Love God, love others. What does it look like to love others? Well, it's all the good deeds and the good works that we're called to do as Christians, but I think it goes a little bit beyond that as well. If we truly love someone, what's the best thing we can bring them? The best thing we can bring them is an opportunity to get to know God. The best thing we can bring them is a life that says, I want to be like you because there's something different about you and I want to learn about what that difference is. And you can say, well, it's Jesus. I'm different. I'm acting different. I'm operating different because of Jesus. Love God, love others. It's Pentecost Sunday. This is the, this is the day, the day that people have remembered for 2,000 years when the Holy Spirit came. And Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1, 7 to 8, It's not for you to know the time and dates the Father is sent by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're invited because we love people, because God loves people, is to be his witnesses. Now, the challenge in the Western world is we face is we've made it complex. We've actually tied witnessing into evangelism and we say, well, some people have got the gift of evangelism and then, and then we're in the Western world, so there's a whole lot of resources we can get about evangelism. Seven steps to this, 27 steps to walking across the room. There's these, all these things that actually make us feel like we're not good enough or don't have the capacity to, to evangelize people because that's not my gift, that's someone else's gift. But that's not what we're being told in Scripture. We're being told to be witnesses. What is a witness? It's simply this, someone who has seen or experienced something and tells someone else. Something, someone who's seen or experienced something and tells someone else. I had a situation a little while ago. I prayed for a baby at a blocked tear duct. The Lord opened the tear duct. There was no need for the operation that was looming. It was cool. The baby got healed. I got to be part of that. I was sitting at a wedding probably two months later. And I was the pastor, so you always get put on the awkward table. <laughs> and everyone thinks, well, I'm never going to see you again. I'm going to ask you all the tough questions. And man, it was, I was being hammered, right? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And in the end, I said, from this particular guy who knew stuff, or at least he thought he did. You know the ones. They're everywhere, right? You know, they, they really... Anyway. And I said, look, I don't have all the answers to your questions, but what I can tell you is this. I prayed for a baby... And that baby was healed. That's it. I was a witness to what I'd seen and experienced of God. And that person could not deny my witness. You're called to do the same thing. What is the Lord doing in your world that you can be a witness of? You don't have to have all the answers, but no one can deny your story. We're called to be witnesses. Matthew 28, 18 says this. Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. We're called to be witnesses and to make disciples. It doesn't feel like it's rocket science, so why aren't we doing it? Be witnesses, make disciples. Again, we've made discipleship complex. I grew up in the environment, I would pray for my friend, I would pray that they would come to church. When they come to church, I would pray that the preacher did a really good message. (laughs) 
And if perchance they happened to raise their hand, I'd make sure I connected them to the right pathway through the right thing so someone could disciple them. Because I didn't know enough. I wasn't good enough. I didn't have the knowledge and education. But that's not what Jesus is inviting his disciples to do. Making disciples isn't about knowing everything. It's about walking the journey with someone else in your world and saying, let's work this out together. Let's work out faith together. You know, so much of it is caught rather than taught. I think of my younger son, Jordan, who's now 17. I took him um, to the field some time ago. We were in a pastor's conference. And, and we, were, we were serving them and loving them and all that sort of stuff. And we came through this time where we were praying for them all. And at the end of the prayer session, like, you know, there was ugly tears and there was snot. And, you know, it was a full-on, full-on prayer session, right? At the end of the prayer session, everyone's sort of going quiet and kind of waiting to wrap things up. And Geordie leans over to me. Hey, Dad. Yeah, mate. 15 years old. Can I say something to him? I went, yes. <laughs> going, all right. Well, <laughs> what would you stop him? He gets up takes the microphone and says, you need to know that God is with you. As much as you're going out to places where you might not have community around you, God is with you, the Holy Spirit's with you, he'll be there, he'll take care of you, he'll serve you, look to him. And I'm bawling. I am bawling my eyes out going, that's my kid. Where did he learn that from? And I I said to him afterwards, what made you decide to do that? He said, well, I just felt like God wanted to say it. I said, I know, but that's pretty courageous to get up the front in front of a group of leaders. And he goes... I just kind of did what I've seen you do. We are called to be witnesses and make disciples. That's not for the professionals. That is everyone. That is not for the people who get the privilege of standing in this environment. That is for you. There are people in your world right now that don't know Jesus. There are people in your world right now that maybe once knew Jesus and maybe their experience was one where everything was just kind of put in the box and it was nice and safe and it got boring. What would it look like for you as followers of Jesus to take these things seriously? I'll invite the band to join me. Love God. We're called to love God with everything that we are and everything that we have. Because of that love we have for God, we will naturally love others. That's the overflow of the love that we have from God. We're invited to partner with God as he's calling humanity back to himself. We're invited to be witnesses and to make disciples. My invitation for you is this. I'm confident that in this room and online... There are people who may have been around the Christian world for some time. And if you're really honest, let's be honest. I mean, God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows what's going on in you. This isn't about me, right? This is about you and him right now. If you're really honest, you'd go, you know what? My faith has probably been put in the box. Maybe once you were passionate and on the front foot and excited about what the Lord was doing in your life, but just just life gets busy. And it becomes something that you do just because it's what you're supposed to do. God's inviting you to something different today. And I'm going to pray for you that there's something shift in your spirit. And that, you know, maybe when you read the Bible, instead of it just being the words to tick the box, 
you're actually starting to discover more about who God is. You're actually starting to discover more about what Jesus has for you and what he's inviting you into. You know, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to pray for you about breaking out of that box. The second thing I'm going to pray for you or invite you to step into is this. Who in your world do you need to be the witness of Christ to? I'm going to pray that it bothers you. I'm going to pray that it annoys you. I'm going to pray that all through this week you've got to hear my annoying voice going, who are you going to witness to? Who are you going to witness to? Who are you going to witness to? Not to get them across some imaginary line that says they're now Christians, but to, to, to love them and to tell them what Jesus is doing. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that will transform someone's heart. That's not our job. Our job is to just be witnesses. And those that want to come on the journey, disciple them, walk with them, do the life, do life. We've made it complex and it's not. Because Jesus is the one who's called it and the Holy Spirit is the one who's empowering it. And that's my invitation. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to actually ask for the opportunity to pray for you now. But I'm going to ask you specifically, to, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You know, maybe, maybe this is you. And how about we, I don't know what the culture is here, but I'm just going to invite everyone to close their eyes for the sake of just um, privacy. Because this moment is between you and God. I'll see your hands. Maybe a couple of the team will see your hands. But this moment's between you and God. Maybe your faith has been stuck in a box. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit is prompting that in you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand because I want to see it and I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right across from my right to my left, there's hands all over the place. Thank you so much for having the courage to put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, you see every one of these hands. God, it's not meant to be... Following you is not meant to be in a box. It's not meant to be the process. It's not meant to be just something that we do. Following you is such a significant part of being part of you calling humanity back to yourself. Lord, I pray for my friends as they've raised their hands today, Lord. I pray that you bother them to the point that they can never go back to putting their faith in a box. But I also ask, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you touch them, you remind them, you, you speak to them, maybe like you once had that hasn't happened for a while. You, you challenge them, but you do it through the love that you bring. And Lord, I also ask that you now give them opportunity. Give them opportunity as they're walking through life's journey, whether it's home, school, work, the shopping center, where there's a prompt from the Spirit and they can be a witness to you and who you are. And Lord, I also ask that as they do that, that they'll be journeying the, the, the journey of discipleship with someone through life as well. Lord, I thank you for them and I pray you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.